I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jay. I'm the editor of TheEaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. You can catch us on Twitter at TheEaglesBeak. I also write for Stalksport.com, um, and also I have a column in the local newspaper about Palace, uh, the Croydon Advertiser, that's called, and that's also online, so feel free to check any of those out. This is Ralph from Razball Soccer on the web at soccer.razball.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ralph Lifshitz BB. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. All right. Now, Jay, you got away with a 2-1 win. There was a period there where it looked like all of the 10 o'clock uh, matches here, the 5 o'clock ones for you, were all going to end 1-1. Didn't end up happening that way. You actually got the win. How are you feeling after that match? Yeah, good. Although I would like to start on a bit of a somber note. We had a um, there was a, a local air show at Shoreham um, yesterday, and, and and a plane crashed into uh, one of the major routes. Um, and it's actually a couple of the people that were killed in that accident were um, local footballers uh, for for not for a non-league team, Worthing United. So I'd just like to say our sincere sympathies to everybody who's been affected by it, uh, and also the club. You know, it's their first team goalkeeper and one of the defenders who also played against uh, a, a Palace fans charity game uh, a couple of years ago as well so he's known to some of the Palace fans out there so I'd just like to uh, offer our sympathies to everybody uh, affected and involved by that um, like I said a bit of a somber note but I just wanted to get that uh, across straight away um, but yeah on the game it was a game we, we lost this fixture last season um, remember it very well because um, Scott Dan made a mistake and it's the only mistake I've ever seen him make um, but he made a mistake in the game yesterday as well, so I don't know what Villa have over him. Um, but last season we lost to uh, a Christian Benteke goal, Dan gave the ball around the touchline, and Benteke still a lot to do, but he scored. And it was in our period where we lost to Sunderland at home and Villa at home, and it was a bit of a time where we kind of thought we didn't know where, what direction we were going, and we were losing some pretty poor home games in, in both the way we played, in that we couldn't break down teams like you know that came to defend against us. Yesterday kind of had a bit of a similar tone to it in the fact that um, Dan made a mistake in the first half. Um, it didn't lead to a goal because Alex McCarthy uh, matched the effort from Agbon Lahore, who who should have really scored, to be honest, should have done better than he did. Um, but we, we had a lot of the play in the first half, but our, our formation was a little bit lopsided because we didn't have any natural right-sided player um, out, out on the pitch. We couldn't work out whether Kabai should have been playing there or MacArthur, but we had Bakary Sacco making his debut and he, he was certainly playing through the middle. Uh, and Wilf Zaha was playing out on the, on the left. Who, he had a lot of the ball, but every time Villa broke, the ball was coming from Guzan and they went straight down the uh, you know their left-hand side, which was our right-hand side, and it was opening up Joe Ward. So it was a really odd first half in that we couldn't quite work out what kind of formation we were playing. We brought Black Game Murray to start up front he didn't. He he had a very poor half, and he was substituted at half time. And and I fear that that's the last we're going to see of him because I've, I know that Bournemouth have um, expressed an interest in taking him. Um, I do wonder that you know the club's moved on from Glenn Murray. He's been a great servant to us. It, it'd be a shame to see him go because I think somebody like Connor Wickham can learn a lot from uh, Glenn Murray. But um, to be honest, five million for a player that's coming towards the end of his career, I think is probably um, you know too good a deal for us to turn down. Really, even in our position, um, but. Pardew, you know, give him his due. He 
He made the changes at half-time. He brought on Jordan Much, who's a very underrated player, I have to say. Um, and he brought on Dwight Gale. Um, now, Dwight Gale has been subject to a bid from Bristol City. He didn't go. He turned down a move to fight for his place at Palace, and he had a point to prove in the second half. And he he was part of the reason we won the game, actually. Um, uh, I think we're going to touch on refereeing decisions later, but we had a goal disallowed, which was given. Um, fans are celebrating, and the goal was announced. Villa players complained. Uh, and Palace were lying up, uh, waiting to take kickoff again. And because the Villa players complained, the referee went over to speak to his linesman, and uh, and they chalked off the goal. Uh, very bizarre way of doing it. O- on the replay, I don't think the replays are all that clear either from watching them. I can see why it's been given, so it could arguably have been the right decision in the end. Um, but I, I have a real fear that allowing players to berate officials to make a decision or change a decision sets up a really bad precedence. Um, and this is something that I'm sure the FA and the officials will want to avoid. Uh, but it didn't affect uh, the result in the end, as it turned out. We we got the lead through Scott Dan, which was a great, powerful header. It, it's what he does. I mean, he, he had his shirt being pulled over the place, but he powered above them, and it, it was a great header and gave us a deserved lead, I think, on the balance of play because Villa didn't really offer an awful lot. Um, Jordan Much was instrumental. He brought us a bit of strength into, you know, to, and supported Gale and, and his talent up front, who was making a lot of runs. Um, and, and Sacco got into the game. He went out wide second half, and he's a he's a big old unit, Sacco. We got him on a free from Wolves in the summer, and I think he's going to be a really valuable sign. I think he's going to be a fan's favourite. He's a bit different to what we've already got in Zaha and Balassi because he's a big guy. And instead of being, Zaha can get pushed off the ball quite easily, and Balassi can to a certain extent, but Sacco won't. He won't get pushed off. He'll, he'll run people down before they get anywhere near him, which kind of what he was doing yesterday, a very powerful player. Uh, I think he had six shots on goal yesterday, uh, all on target, and he and he got the winner for us, which was a, it was a mistake from the keeper. He, he rolled it out, 88th minute, I think it was, to his fullback, who wasn't really concentrating, dispossessed. The ball was played to Sacco and he hit a shot from 25 yards, kind of curled around the keeper and it's a great, great goal. Um, and it, it took it very well. Um, so all in all, I mean, I didn't touch on the Villa goal actually. I mean, um, Traore came on, the new signing from Barcelona. I have to say, yeah. how quick how quick is that guy? He he, he had a couple of Makes runs at Messi and Ronaldo, that one. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, so the speed on him, to see him you know, live, he took the ball on the halfway line and actually, I mean, Suarez is not a slow player in, in the slightest. Uh, and he went round him as if he was standing still. So he did it twice. Second time he did it, he um, he got a cross in and, and Suarez. It was unlucky, really, because he got a foot to it, but he diversed it past uh, uh, past McCarthy, who didn't really have much chance at his near post. So that's two own goals in two games for us. Um, but, you know, we, we got the win in this one, and I think we showed a lot of character, uh, which is Brendan Rodgers' favourite word, but I don't like to use it that often, but we did, because we it wasn't a convincing display from us. Um but, you know, it was a team performance. We dug in. We had a disallowed goal, which could have set back any team, really. Villa had a couple of chances, which last season, that you know, one of those would have gone in. Um, you know, at the, at the period we lost the game to them last year. So, mm. um, yeah, I, Villa didn't really offer too much, although I do understand they've got a few players that need to gel. Um, I'll be interested to see how Traore does as the season goes on because he, he looks he looks an absolute beast. If he gets running at defenders, he's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, but other than that... Um, Gastelio was decent in the air, uh, but I think we we're full value for the for the win for us um, yesterday. And I think that these two wins we've had, Norwich and um, Villa yesterday, 
are, are massive wins for us because the other three games we lost to Arsenal, we next have Chelsea and then we have Man City. So three of the top four teams, or we expect to be top four teams this season in the first five games is is a pretty tough uh, start to the season in anyone's book. But if we can get any points out of those, then great. But we've done, we've got the points from the games we should do. Um, so relatively happy, really. Yeah, um, obviously now you're you're in the top four. Is that something you can start looking forward to this season? Yeah, we're we're looking for Champions League football next season. Um, no, no reason. Anything no reason worse than that? Not. You got you got to get rid of party. Oh, but I, I think so. I think we can have the approach of any top four side now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is dizzy heights for Palace. I mean, you know, finishing eleventh and then tenth last season. You know, we are we are looking to progress. There's no doubt about that. The club are looking to progress because we, you know, we've made ambitious signings. We made signings that not a lot of people thought we would make. Um, and I think we said spoke before the podcast in that now there is a real feeling around the club that we don't need to keep looking behind us anymore. We've had you know periods of time in top division before. We've always looked to finish right seventeenth, forty point mark. That you know that'd be that'd do us just fine. You know as long as we don't finish in the bottom three and go down, we'll be happy. But now there seems to be a, it, that that's kind of shifted a bit. And I think you know a lot of fans are thinking after the last two seasons finishing where we did. And the signings we've made, Pardew on boards, you know things are working out for us at the moment, and and there's no reason why we can't finish top to get top ten again. And I said, you know, we need to look at trying to challenge teams like Southampton and Swansea, like they finished above us last season, Stoke City, uh, and why not somebody? I mean, we spoke on a pod in, uh, last Thursday about Tottenham being in that middle group of, mm. do they challenge top four or do they drop and kind of fall into the group with Southampton, Swansea, and the like. That that's got to be got to be our aim. Without being too ahead of ourselves, I don't like you know being a cocky fan or or, or, or coming across uh, in, in that kind of way. But I think it's something that Palace need to start looking up rather than down. And I think we are we are actually doing that now. Champions League, uh, I can't imagine for one second we we would get close to finishing top four. Um, Europa League, yeah, you know the jury's out on that one. You know if if we get a good to keep your card count down, maybe you can get in through the fair play. <laughs> Well, I think West Ham have blown their fair play league already this season, so um, <laughs> that that window could could be open. But yeah, I mean, progress is progress, isn't it? I mean, I think you know we were class finishing um, you know ninth or eighth in the table as progress this season. Europa League would be you know would be would be an amazing achievement for a club such as Palace. Um, but you know, keep your fingers crossed. There's no doubt about it that we're looking at the 40 point barrier. There's nothing wrong. I think a lot of teams in a division, I would say 15, at least 15 teams, would look at the 40 point barrier first and see what stage of the season they get to that mark, and then and then push on from there. I'm hoping we achieve 40 points earlier in some teams, and then we can see where we are from there. But certainly, there's a lot of positive things going on at the moment. And uh, yeah, we've got a couple of tough games coming up, um, but once we get through those. Uh, you know, we can we can really see where we are, and 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 really we we'll want to be picking up points against teams that we kind of lost out to last season. You know, the Villas, the Sunderlands, uh, the Hulls we lost at home as well. Those are the sort of games that will see us improve this season uh, to a better position. All right, thanks, Jay. Now, Ralph, Manchester United have seven points. They're sitting in the top four, but the football they've played has been less than inspiring. What have you taken from Manchester United's early season performances? Um, you know, as I sort of mentioned offline, it's starting to feel like they're the more boring version of Chelsea's big blue bus. So they're like they're excruciatingly excruciating to watch a big red bus. Um, you know, I like the way the, the back four looks. I like the way Smalling looks. Um, certainly uh, Darmian looks like it was a, a great buy 
Um, central midfield, they've certainly shored that up. That looks like a strength. The attack, though, looks weak. I, I don't think Rooney um, is the striker they're looking for. It, it's sort of funny. I know that, um, you know, uh, Van Gaal had mentioned it uh, a couple weeks back, but he had said, you know, everybody was was telling me I needed to play Rooney up top last year, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing it this year, and, you know, you're sort of seeing the results. Uh, yeah, you know, they got to do something about the Rooney situation right now. He's better in that 10 role. They need a real striker. I, w- I was almost sort of happy when, when they brought in Chikorito yesterday because um, he can finish, but he's he's certainly not the, he's not the answer. But ooh, I'd love to see them buy uh, a striker after watching Chelsea and Pedro this morning. It's really frustrating. But, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think they're buying anybody else. Yeah, uh, speaking of players out of position at the moment, I'm not sure Daly Blind can be out of position because he can play anywhere. Do you see him being at center back for most of the season? Or do you think when Phil Jones comes back, he'll push back up to the midfield or maybe even left back? I, I think you're going to see him on the outside. I think he's probably going to be the first choice left back. Um, I would imagine Philip Jones, you know, Phil Jones is going to end up, um, you know, in, in central defense next to Smalling. That's his best position. I know that they've played him in central midfield before, but I don't see that now that that's the strength for, for the club. I don't see that happening now. All right. Yeah. Um, for Tottenham, it was obviously not a very thrilling, uh, performance. Uh, I know, um, Ralph was just mentioning that Manchester United haven't looked that great. We had looked great and weren't getting results. And then we decided to flip the script and maybe not play so well and then do get the result, which it looked like we would at the 81st minute. And then we just conceded again. We knew we would have problems as soon as the team was announced and we realized we'd be without Christian Eriksen. Obviously, our whole attack flows through him. Uh, and so without him, we knew we were kind of in for <laughs> a tough day. Um, despite dominating possession 65% to 35%, we created very few chances, and uh, Chadley's assist to Della Ali was actually the first completed pass in Leicester's penalty area for us that whole match, which is obviously not how you end up winning matches. The Ali substitution proved a very valuable one. As I just mentioned, he did score what should have been the winner on a spectacular diving header, uh, but then we conceded a late one. But Kane did his best all match, uh, was clearly starved for service, unfortunately, uh, our defense wasn't great. Jan Vertonghen looked pretty shaky uh, pretty much the whole match and very easily should have had a, a penalty given against him in the first half. It's it's not a great trend for Tottenham. When you think about Kyle Walker, he had an own goal in match week one. Then last week, Alderweireld conceded a penalty and lost Diaf on his late equalizer in match week two. Then Jan Vertonghen this week played Mares horribly, showing on to him showing him onto his stronger foot, onto his left, when that's the only option he really had, and conceded what could have been a penalty uh, in match week three. And it just makes me really concerned for whatever Davies or Rose have in store for us next week to match those calamitous levels of defense. Uh, This is by far, you know, not what we expected to see this season. It's, It's the opposite, in fact, of last year's script, where every match we would gain late leads, and now we're conceding late leads. Uh, we've allowed three goals this season in just the last 11 minutes of matches, uh, which is not how you really want your day to go. Uh, Pochettino addressed it as something we need to work on. I mentioned Derek Dyer's quotes last week where he mentioned he was very sad that we've brought that with us into this season. That They worked on it over the summer, and it was supposed to be something that was out of the game. Uh, 
out of the style of Tottenham Hotspur at this point. But if you look at any of these losses just kind of in a vacuum, none of them really look that bad. Uh, you know, like a one goal loss at Old Trafford isn't like a stunning result. 2-2 against Stoke, that's kind of how they set up to play. 1-1 against the Leicester side that's insanely in form, and Riyad Mahrez, who's just absolutely been balling on everyone. But if you put them all together, you see this really kind of frightening picture emerging of a side that has difficulty creating chances, marking well, and holding concentration for 90 minutes. All of things that are very basic, which Hugo Lloris alluded to yesterday, that these are basic things that we're messing up. These aren't, you know, this isn't us getting beaten by better sides. This is us kind of beating ourselves, which is much more frustrating. Uh, there are frailties in the squad, yes. But we've thrown away early season points again due to leaving our business late again. The best case is that we bring in someone like Bender at central midfield, although that deal looks dead, or Berahino, who I think might be a goer at striker, and we kind of go on a run like we did when we brought in Parker and Adebayor in 2011-12, where we added them and then went on a great run, and that was the year when we were in third forever, and it looked like we were going to be fine, and then lost out to Chelsea on that Champions League spot, and then we missed Hazard, and then Redknapp got sacked. And then we, never mind, I'm not going to go down that train of sadness. But that's the best case. The worst case is that we don't address our needs and just have to hope for somewhere in the top 10. Because genuinely, if it's this squad for 38 matches, we will not be in the top four. We will not be in the top six. We'll be in that other group of players that, you know, the teams like uh, Crystal Palace that are kind of fighting their way up the table at the moment. Uh, other teams like Leicester, who, you know, I think will fall back a bit. Um, but we're definitely not in that top four ch uh, chase. And if we don't bring in these players, like I said, I I'm not even sure we'll be top six. Uh, as I mentioned, the Berahino deal does look like it's going well. Um, <laughs> as far as Levy just has to pay $25 million. Whether or not he'll do it, I still have some doubts about. But it does sound like this one is now more likely to happen than not likely. Uh I do think after the, the performance we saw today from Salomon Rondon that West Brom have to at least be feeling better about their situation. Whether or not they'll decrease their valuation of Berahino just because they found a decent replacement, I'm not so sure that that's, that's what will happen. But I'm sure West Brom and Albion supporters and management will both feel much better about their situation considering it looks like they do have a real player on their hands. As I mentioned, the Bender deal looks dead at the moment. Christoph Kramer looking unlikely. Ilora Mendy is being bandied about, as it looks like his time at, at Real Madrid has come to an end. But unless we're willing to really pay up the money, I'm worried we won't be able to really strengthen there at, at that defensive midfield position. And there were some people saying, you know, if we bring in Ilora Mendy, you know, Real Madrid, you know, we're, we're getting a player they don't want anymore. It seemed to work for us with Vondervaart. These are two very different situations, and you know it, Twitter people, and you know it deep down in your hearts. Um, I, I would like to have a player like Ilo Romendi at the club, but he is not the kind of catalyst that Vondervaart was. Uh, and for those forgetting... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
we were able to get Vondervaart because we were in the Champions League, which is not the case now. So, anyway, I think we're in for a long season unless we see some new moves uh, happening over at Tottenham. On Thursday, we discussed uh, which sides we thought would be going down. It was a, it was a listener question. Now today we're going to be talking about which sides do you think will make the top four. Uh, and as most of you will probably say that it's the same top four as last year, who do you have winning the title? Do you think that Chelsea, despite a bit of a slow start, are still the favorites? City have looked great as well. Manchester United have started sluggishly but added a lot over the summer. Arsenal obviously always in and thereabouts. Who do you think really has a chance at winning the title and is that your top four this year? I think a top four at the moment could be a top four in the season. What do you think, of? Yeah, I mean, who could pick against Manchester City, Leicester, Manchester United, and Palace? I mean, that top four looks pretty good. That five mm. through seven, Liverpool, Swansea, Everton looks true-ish. You know, maybe Chelsea below there. I think they're sitting around ninth. Yeah. Maybe not as much. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, those there could be some movement <laughs> there, but I think Leicester and Palace, definitely in with a shout. We'll be seeing a lot of Riyad Mahrez and, and Wilfried Zaha in next year's Champions League. Well, I mean, from that top four, and being realistic, I think City United have struggled to stay up in that top four, won't they? Hard to compete, really. No, I mean, on a, on, a, on a serious note, I think I, I can't see any difference to the top four that finished last season in the top four. Um, they are the four strongest teams on paper. Yeah, I'm not sure who... Uh, if Liverpool get things together, um, you know, they could, they could possibly break into that top four, but I don't see anybody else being able to try, you know, to, to get near them. For me, this season, it's, I think it's going to be a closer finish to the season. I think United are an odd one, aren't they? Because you can't tell whether they're going to gel uh, with all their players they've brought in. I, I, can't, I can't decide if they actually look any good or just need a bit of time to, uh, you know, to get themselves sorted out. So I, I would say they were going to finish fourth. I think the title is going to be between City, Arsenal, and Chelsea, um, and I think Arsenal are going to go closer this year. I, you know, even though they lost the first game of the season, to me last week they looked pretty decent. Uh, interested to see how they get on tomorrow night against Liverpool, obviously. Um, but I think there's a lot, there's an awful lot about them. I mean, the quality of um, Ozil, Sanchez, Giroud. I mean, those three combined score against us last Sunday. I mean, that's a combined transfer fee of about over 100 million, isn't it? <laughs> that's like the 100 million pound goal. Um, <laughs> You know, you know they have it, and if those sorts of players stay fit, you you know, Cazorla in the middle. I mean, I I like I like a lot of what Arsenal got about them. Um, it's just getting those goals from the strikers, isn't it? And if they do add somebody, you know, like Benzema that's being rumoured, you know, I think that could be the you know the final piece of the jigsaw that would see them win the title this year. City look decent, I have to say. City City will be up there. Um, it's it's tough to decide. I don't think Chelsea are going to win it this year. I think it's going to be between Man City and Arsenal, but it's going to be tight between the three of them. I'm going to plump for City to just nick it again. I do. I would. I wouldn't mind Arsenal seeing Arsenal win it, but I think City do look. I mean, Sterling's kind of acclimatized. I say acclimatized. He's only hasn't moved very far, but you know he's got into the team. You know he's looking as though he's got a place in the team now. Um, they got a multitude of talents. Um, I think it's going to be close between City and Arsenal, but Chelsea won't be very far away. I'm going for City as the as, as champions. Okay, now, Ralph, I've been telling people <laughs> all summer that Rooney is guaranteed 20-plus goals uh, in, an, in an attack where he's surrounded by excellent talent. Having Mata playing kind of more on the wing to give him playing time, that's fine, as you mentioned, playing well. Depay, obviously a very talented player. Now you have Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger, both of whom can play very good long balls. It looks like this attack was set up around Wayne Rooney to be the striker. Now you're saying maybe that won't work out. They haven't looked good thus far. 
I'm assuming you're still thinking top four, but I was telling people you'd have a chance at the title. Do you think that's true? And if not, why? Um, well, at this point, I mean, it's, it's really tough to write anybody off or to hand the title to, to city We're three weeks in, let's be honest. Right. Um, they, they gotta, they gotta figure something out going forward though. They need to create more chances. They're not creating enough real chances. It seems like they're sort of settling for these shots on the outside. Um, I, I think, you know, Dupay, you know, has to sort of step up. And look the way he did against Club Bruges. Now, it's a Belgian club. We, you know, we both know that's not playing, you know, in the Premier League week in, week out against, you know, very talented clubs that, you know, sort of play that rough and tumble style that we're used to watching, you know, in England. Um, they're going to have to figure it out. And it, 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 it is going to be Rooney finishing, you know, unless they sign a striker. I don't think they're going to. But, yeah, I mean, if they're going to really You're not buying contend, into the Lucy Ibrahimovic rumors? I hope so. I think he is like, it's like Katona. It's like, it's like the perfect fit for United. He's got that sort of swagger and attitude. You know, if he's, if he's in the fold right off the bat, I think they're, they're title contenders because he's going to, he's going to sort of give him that attitude. I think it allows him to play back a little bit, which the 10 at this point, I think is his best position. He got a little unlucky, um, you know, on that offside, the beginning of the game yesterday could have finished, but you know, it didn't happen. So it was, a, you know, another another scoreless draw. But, um, ugh. yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, if we're looking at the real title contenders, obviously it's City. They look, they look phenomenal right now. Um, I'm not writing off Chelsea. A couple of bad games. They'll figure it out. And, you know, we'll sort of see how Arsenal looks tomorrow. You know, that's a, that's a good team. Um, there's some continuity there as well. You know, the, the team didn't change over too much. Um, these guys have had a year to sort of gel. It just sort of depends if, you know, Vanga decides to screw everything up, which he seems to be accustomed to doing, uh, of late, but you know, I, they're right there. They're a top four club United, um, whether they can make that jump, it's going to depend on whether they can start to produce some, some actual attack because it's been sorely lacking for the first three weeks. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you more than I am with Jay. I think city are, are looking very, very good. Uh, Arsenal, I'm just not sold on, and no, it's not just because I'm a Tottenham supporter. I'm just not sure that bringing in Petrček, who hasn't looked like the player he's been in the past thus far, by the way, is sure. enough to take you from top three to the title. Uh, if we're talking about title contenders, yes. I, I don't think they're going to win it, honestly. My top four, obviously the same. For me, like right now, for me, it's City, Chelsea, United, Arsenal, in that order. Uh, mm. I th- And I think it's that top three, and then a gap. I I just think United might take a while to find their footing and their best 11, much like last year. But when they do, they'll really charge on. And then it's just a question of how deep have they dug their hole first before they started filling it back in. But I think they'll be there or thereabouts. City are the favorites for me. And I know a lot of people are saying it's too early to switch away from Chelsea this early in the season. But City aren't the favorites for me because of the goals they're scoring. It's because of the goals they're not conceding. They're always going to score goals. That's not a problem for them yeah, at all. Yeah, absolutely. But their defense looks so revitalized, which is incredible when it's all players that were at the club last year and couldn't do so. Zabaleta being out, I think, has freed them in a very surprising way. Um, wherein, you know, he was so known for going forward. And then last season, he had to be pinned back a little bit because of company struggles. And, you know, now with Sonia playing there, they, they just seem more free almost. 
both going forward and going back, company looks like last year never happened. He looks like the resolute captain just at the back that he always was ever since he came over to, to City. Agreed. Angola looks like the player he was in Portugal just in the Premier League last year instead of looking just a shambles. I, it all looks good. Kolarov is one of the best attacking left backs in the game. The only problem from a real life and a fantasy standpoint was playing time. And now he's getting it, and you're seeing what he can do. Today's attempt was no cross. That was an intentional shot. And it, he just bl- blistered it straight into the net. Great player. And, and because of those four, that's why I think City won the title. I, I don't need to talk about the front group. Yes, Sterling is fine. But he's also the fifth most important person in that attack at any given point. Uh, with Torre and Silva and Aguero and uh, even Navas, because his pace is what really yeah. opens up that city side for David Silva to have all that space. So I, I, that's, that's why I think that they're, they're contenders and my title favorites is because of what they're doing at the back, um, which is hilariously why I don't think Chelsea will do it. I said at the beginning of the season, and I felt a little bit bad about it. I went on Dave Hendricks' All in Sports talk show, and I said that, you know, we've been saying it for years, but after seeing what Bafa Gomis did to John Terry week one, that he's lost his pace. You know, it was never there in abundance, but it was there enough. Uh, and Ledley King dealt with this his last couple years as well, where, you know, yes, their positioning is great, and that's how they were able to be good for so long. But at a certain point, you have to concede to yourself that you don't have that makeup speed anymore. And he hasn't admitted it to himself yet, which has led to his positioning not being as good as he's been in the past. Yes, being paired with Cahill, who also doesn't have pace, or Zuma, who doesn't have as much of a mind for the position, has caused issues. But if you go back and watch the three matches thus far, John Terry is constantly trying to track back to a player that already has the ball. And that is not the point of John Terry. And the fact that he's crumbling like that, and like I said, you can go back and listen to it. This is before all of the, you know, he got benched or before the red card. His legs were already going. And John Stones is a great young center back. Stephen Cocker was also a great young English center back. Not saying they're the same player. Do think Stones will develop better. But paying that much money for a young English center back who probably wouldn't improve you day one at the club, that's, that's my issue is... Chelsea are revamping. They brought in Baba Raman to be their new left back. Maybe now that we're seeing Ivanovic start to struggle, maybe we'll see Cesar Aspilicueta move over to the right back. But these are all, and Kurt Zuma's very young, talented center back, as is John Stones. It feels like they're building for the future, but with a team going forward and with a manager like Mourinho and an owner like Abramovich who aren't looking to win the title in two or three years. They're expecting to win it now, and I don't think they have the defense to do it. And like I said, oddly enough, I think City do. Yeah, and I think it's funny, and you didn't even mention him, but uh, as a hop of that, City just added, you know, Otamendi. Um, and it, it's funny to think that maybe that would have been a really nice move for Chelsea to make with the issues that they're having, someone that's been experienced, could sort of step right in, you know, play in the European level. It's not all new the way it is with, with Stone. Um, yeah, and, and you mentioned Novice, just to sort of piggyback on that with, with City. I thought he was the most one of the most important players today. It seemed like yeah. everything came through him. All the chances were sort of him bombing down the wing, creating opportunities, and and like you said, it was you know sort of drawing defenders away from you know some of their other attacking players, whether it be yeah. Silver or Aguero. And um, and you know, to Sterling, be fair, it's that spot where Leighton Baines should be, um, which gives him a bit more leverage in that position than you'd expect against Everton. But yeah, no, he you yeah. know you can only beat the person that's across the line from you, and he did an excellent job of it. 
Yeah. And, you know, he's he you know, he's good enough and he's certainly he's so fast um, that I'm not even sure, you know, Baines would have necessarily stopped all those opportunities from happening. You know, there, it seemed like there was numerous. It seemed like every time I looked up, um, you know, novice was bombing down the side and, and you know, creating something. Yeah, I, I do think that Arsenal's problem is just the goal score. I, Olivier Giroud is a striker who, if you watch all of his goals, you'll think is a clinical finisher. But you need to watch the ones that he misses, the ones where he doesn't get into position in time, that really show why he's not the kind of striker that Arsenal need to lead the line. And it's really funny to me that depending on the month, Arsenal fans will either agree or disagree. Right now, they'll agree because the transfer window's open, and then it'll close, and he'll score three goals in four matches, and we're going to hear about how he's finally arrived. And he's just not. It doesn't feel like it's in his makeup to me. And I think that that's the weak point. The midfield, obviously, hilariously stacked. Um, the fact that people still think that Wilshere will get into that team when he's fit again, I, I think, are laughable. I think that that midfield is way too deep for him to get in anymore. I, from a talent standpoint, it's sad to see somebody that talented not develop. But I, I just think there are too many better options in that team. You know, if, if you look at the back 10 players on Arsenal, that should be a title contending team. And I think the striker is the only piece they're missing. Yeah, you know, um, Henry said it, right? Uh, and, it, and it sort of drew the ire of uh, Arsenal fans toward the end of last season or, you know, the the early part of the summer. Um, but, yeah, I agree, too. And I, I like, you know, I like Giroud. I typically roster him a lot in fantasy because he's sort of underpriced and on a good club. Um, with a lot of talent around him. I mean, that's the most talented midfield uh, in the Premier League. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I'm not going to count him out. I, st- I think they're, I, I have him above United at this point. I wouldn't be shocked if they outplay Chelsea the next few weeks. Um, there seems to be some issues in that side, uh, not just with Terry, but also with, with Cesc Fabregas looks pretty bad. Um, playing that deep, you know, it, it looks like maybe he's more fit for a number 10 role. I don't know if potentially they could move William back and try to play him deeper and put Pedro on the wing. Um, it seems like they're missing somebody that's solid defensively to play next to, to Maddich because that that sort of central de- central midfield and central defense, which was so strong for Chelsea last year, just doesn't look the same. And from there, we'll be moving on to Player Watch, where we'll be discussing a player who impressed and one who disappointed for our club this weekend. Jay, who do you got? It's your favorite segment, isn't it, Kev? Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is really tough, actually. It was a real team performance, and I think there's a few players that perhaps... for For me, disappointing first, and I'm... You know me, I'm not one to criticise players. I don't like doing it. But um, if I'm being pushed, Glenn Murray disappointed me in the first half. Um, he had a very poor half. For me, I would have expected him to have a point to prove because he missed out um, against Arsenal a week before. Uh, Connor Wickham had the nod again, you know, over him. But Connor Wickham's out for a couple of weeks with a knock. So um, Murray, Murray came in to play that role and he didn't really win that much or, or put himself about. He didn't look his normal or his old self, as it were. So, so that was disappointing. And, and like I mentioned, I fear that might be the last we see of him in a Palace shirt. Um, I, I mean, Gale is a smaller guy. He came in at half-time, played the lone role up front with, with a bit more support from Jordan much, but he won a lot more uh, up front and caused a lot more problems than, than Murray did. So I think that says, says everything we need to know. Um, 
as for a player that impressed me, I, I would go with Sacco. Um, he got the man a match from a lot of the media media outlets. Um, he got our man a match as well because um, he was he played centre mid in the first half. It, it was it certainly wasn't looked lost, but I think he suffered through the formation like a lot of our midfielders did, and um, it looked a little bit disjointed in the first half. Second half was a lot better. He was put out wide. He obviously scored the winning goal, uh, which was a very good goal. But he had, like I mentioned earlier, he had six shots on goal on target uh, in the game. And I think I saw a stat earlier that Balassi had 19 shots on goal all last season. Um, and for Sacco to come in in his debut, uh, hasn't really played with the first team. He's had, he, I think he's had two games of the development side just to get his fitness up to scratch. I think he really impressed us uh, yesterday. Uh, he got more confident as the game went on. And, and you know, a free transfer from Wolves... Can't really argue with that. Mm. Uh, you mentioned there that Murray struggled a little bit. Obviously, you <laughs> have uh, the likes of Wicaldinho and and uh, Patrick Bamford there in the wings. Mm. For for me, from what I've seen of Palace, I think Wickham is the sure choice number one. Do you agree with that? And if not, who do you have? I I, I think you're right. I think there'll be certain games that Bamford will be used for uh, in, in a different formation. I know. I mean, from watching the game yesterday, we tried something different in the first half. Didn't really come off, uh, but Pardew saw it and changed it at half-time, brought two subs on. Now, for me, you've got to have that as a manager. You've got to be tactically aware, and if, if it hasn't worked, then you know, make the decision to, to change things up rather than just leaving it. You know, I, I said at the game yesterday that some managers would have left it 10 minutes, 15 minutes into the second half to see if anything changed. By that time, it could be a goal down. Change it when you see it. Um, it wouldn't have surprised me if, if Pardew had made a change uh, you know, with ten minutes to go at the first half, he, he's that kind of manager that if he sees something tactically wrong, he he will change it, and he would admit to it if he got it wrong. I think he did against Arsenal. He he, he said similar. So, um, yeah, I, I think Wickeldinho, kind of Wickham is our uh, is our is our main man up front. I think we're gonna that's gonna be a lot of our focus this season. We're gonna continue with the one man up front. Although Dwight Gale stated his claim yesterday when he came on. He, he he played well. He could have. It was unlucky not to get a goal. Uh, that's the goal that was disallowed and came off uh, uh, MacArthur. Um, so he's he, he might feature. It, it, we might not actually get rid of him now. Um, I I expect us to um, get rid of Murray and very possibly Campbell Fraser Campbell, who's he's actually injured at the moment with a hamstring injury. So I, I don't expect him to go very far very soon. Um, the other one is Shamak. We've got who hasn't featured yet. He's got a, a hamstring injury. Um, which uh, I've read rumours actually earlier today that he might be out till Christmas, which is a bit of a concern because um, going into the Chelsea game next week, we can't play Bamford because obviously he's you know he's on loan from Chelsea. W- Wickham's injured as well, um, so um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what we decide against Chelsea. For me, I would start Gale after his uh, uh, fleeting performance yesterday, but um, yeah, and there's also some rumours going around that we're going back in for Charlie Austin, so. We'll watch that one with interest, whether that's just a crazy Twitter rumour that you get. Um, I've noticed it from a few sources. Uh, I'm not sure Charlie Austin exists at this point. I think he's just, well, I, I think he's just it, a rumour himself that just gets started to every club. Well, I, I, we know his knee ligaments don't exist, so... Um, <laughs> but yeah. Thanks to West Ham, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and his little spat with West Ham, that's, uh, <laughs> that's quite funny to watch, but... But, you know, will, will he give us... I mean, certainly he's got an eye for goal. Um, I, I do wonder how true that is because we've obviously spent For me, Wickham is just Austin Light. I don't know what the need is there. 
I, I, I agree with you. I, 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 I think Wickham is the man. Um, it, it just depends on how we go around building around him. We've got, we've got Bamford, um, and he's actually a bigger guy than I thought. Actually, Bamford, he's taller than I expected him to be. Having seen him, um, you know, last week uh, come on against Arsenal, uh, it's difficult to tell when you're watching games on TV sometimes. But actually being there, seeing him come on, uh, yeah, a, a bigger lad than I expected him to be. So he's like his feature, both. Him and uh, but Wickham's going to be the main man. Gale, uh, he could have fought his way back into the side um, after yesterday's second half performance. I think he may have changed a few minds. You know, the fan is a fan favourite. Gale, he always seems to get goals, um, but he just struggles with that lone far lone man role up front because he needs support. He had that from Jordan much yesterday, um, so it depends whether we're going to change our style a little bit to allow him to feature. It's a tough one Shamak again like I say so injury prone I'd love to see him come back you know what I think of the guy um, and I think Pardew likes him as well he came out and said so in a press conference a couple of weeks ago that you know they're working on him hard to get him fit because he's such a naturally gifted player you know he's, he's similar to a goodbye kind of player he could you know have a touch of the ball that would just you know get him past a player without even thinking about it so uh, there's plenty of options there for sure I, I don't know I'm not convinced that we're, we're going to go in for some else um, striker wise um, yeah, before the end of the transfer window which is uh, which is fast approaching of course but you know I could be pleasantly surprised all right Ralph obviously kind of a disappointing draw probably from your standpoint who impressed and who disappointed sure. for United I think Chris Smalling um, looked like he's he's continuing to develop um, you know I, I thought he probably would have had the, the highest you know markings or whatever you want to say um, after after watching that match a couple of times or he watched it again today. Uh, just because I'm a glutton for punishment. I thought Mata was up there as well. Schneider Lynn continues to impress. Luke Shaw looks like he's sort of, um, you know, sort of, you know, taken, taken the, the corner and sort of, you know, started to develop. He, he obviously was, was nothing last year. But the whole back four looks good. Um, you know, I, I'd say my issues, probably Rooney. Uh, DePay looked good, but not, you know, um, Club Rouge good. Uh but Rooney was probably the most disappointing to me, um, you know, when you when you factor in the back four. Yeah, for Tottenham, uh, the player that impressed me the most was Ryan Mason. I was very harsh on him last year. I still think we need to bring in a better central midfielder. But his passing is just as good as it's always been. Without Erickson, and he's basically the only creator we have. But the way that he's impressed me is his ability to track back, which you may note was something he couldn't do for his life last year. Uh, he had no idea about defensive positioning. He was always losing his man when he was asked to track back. He just couldn't do it or did it very ineffectively or with little pace. Uh, and he's had a lot of tackles in the midfield, which is something that we weren't really expecting to see from him. And so in that regard, I was very impressed with him breaking up a Leicester team that has obviously been very threatening throughout the year, uh, though early though it may be. But I was very impressed with his ability to defend. The player that disappointed me, uh, Jan Vertonghen who you know, looks like he, he is struggling again for no particular reason. We've paired him with Toby Alderweireld. A lot of people saying, why isn't there a rapport better with each other? They play together in the national team, which is true. But Toby is a right back for Belgium, and Jan is a left back for Belgium. And for those with charts in front of them, those two don't touch very often. So I do think there is still some communication issues that, that need to be taken care of with the two of them. He, he just looks like he has mistakes in him. And the really concerning thing is we thought that Michael Dawson was the error. And then the, he was making individual mistakes, so we shipped him out. 
Then Kabul won the spot. Then he made individual errors. Then he was out. Then Fazio came in, was really good in December and January. Then he started having individual issues. Now it looks like he's on his way out. And now it's Vertonghen. And it's getting to the point where maybe it isn't those players, yeah? Maybe we don't have enough strength in the midfield or maybe we don't have the right tactics or the right focus to prevent it from happening. But you can't argue that it's a trend at this point. And you, you just have to be pretty concerned by that going forward. But in a one-match set, Jan Vertonghen was very disappointing. Easily could have conceded a penalty that should have been given for me. Uh, and then showing Mavrez onto his stronger foot in the box. I, I just don't know what he was thinking of at that point in time. And so for me, that's why he's the player that disappointed. And with that, we are out of time. So if you'd like to tell people where to reach you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeat.com. We've got continued content going online, two articles, three articles sometimes a day. Um, Kev does a fantasy football spot for us every Friday, which is which is great. Um, chats with opposition fans, and the last one against Villa was great. Um, I'm also doing a bit of work. Palace Fan TV, so presenting a few uh, interviews that we're doing on there. And also I write for stalksport.com, which is about different sports. And I also have a column in a corner advertiser. So it's all very busy at the moment. Um, but check us out on Eaglespeak. That's the main one for me. Um, we're on Twitter at Eaglespeak. Uh, as I mentioned in the opening, you can find me on soccer.rasball.com. Um, you know, do my, my weekly roundup typically posts on Tuesday morning, but we have content coming all week long. I think the only day we take off is Sunday. Uh, so that way we can watch the games. Yeah, and I've been your host, Kevin DeVries. If you'd like to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Kevrov, K-E-V-R-O-V. If you'd like to read my musings, I write over on blog.playtaga.com covering Tottenham, Crystal Palace, and Sunderland. You can check those Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings. Uh, if you'd like to check out my price-by-price price article that goes up over on theeaglespeak.com, I take price points throughout the gamut and tell you a player to add and a player to drop for each of those price points, so be sure to check that out. I also host the FPL Roundtable, which our first show uh, came out Thursday morning. So that will be coming out again this Thursday morning. So if you'd be kind enough to check that out or if you just want some uh, fantasy advice, <laughs> whether or not it'll be as great as we think it is, you know, up to you. You let us know. Uh, other than that, if you'd like to reach this podcast, we're on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. And as always, you can email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.